everyone. This week I wanted to talk about a scripture that's been somewhat controversial uh, throughout the centuries and ask the question, what was the thorn in the flesh that Paul was referring to in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Now a lot of you, if you're not even familiar with that scripture, would recognize the term uh, a thorn in the flesh because it's become part of our vocabulary, really. Uh, a figure of speech to mean that there's something annoying or something you have to deal with in your life that you don't want to. Uh, it really comes from this scripture. Now, I think there's been a lot of misconceptions about this scripture, uh, the way people have interpreted it. Um, and what I wanted to do today is just basically talk about the scripture in light of the context of the book of 2 Corinthians to maybe shed some new light on this verse, if you've interpreted to mean that Paul had some kind of sickness in his body, because traditionally that's what a lot of people have interpreted it to mean, that basically Paul had some kind of illness or sickness in his body that he had to deal with, and even though he asked God to take it from him, God said no. And so a lot of people justify sickness using this scripture uh, to try and suggest that God uses sickness to teach us a lesson. Um, and what I want to suggest is that's not actually what Paul was saying. He actually was using that terminology to refer to something, I believe, completely different that had really nothing to do with sickness, okay? And hopefully, uh, when I show you what I'm talking about, uh, you'll realize that Paul probably wasn't talking about sickness. Uh, in fact, he was talking about something quite different than sickness, and that might help us uh, in the sense that if you've ever heard somebody use this scripture to justify sickness uh, and disease in order to teach us a lesson or to keep us humble, that um, this probably isn't a scripture you're going to be able to do that with once you think about it contextually. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm just going to read you this portion of scripture where it comes from. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And Paul basically starts off the chapter talking about this amazing revelatory encounter he had when he went to the third heavens and all this stuff. And then starting in verse 5, I'm going to read up till verse 10, he says, I'll boast about a man like that, but I'll not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Now, I want to just pause there to note that Paul right there defines what the thorn in the flesh was. He says it was a messenger of Satan. Um, now, for some reason, people read that and just for whatever reason assume he's talking about some kind of sickness or disease. But Paul himself tells us it was actually a messenger from Satan. And for whatever reason, people take the flesh part of that phrase literally. Oh, that must mean it's a disease because he says flesh. But the word thorn doesn't, they're not taking it literally for whatever reason. Now what I want to show you, I'm going to keep reading, but what I want to show you is that um, Paul was not talking about uh, necessarily a demon uh, that was tormenting his flesh, which a lot of people also interpret that to mean. And I'll show you that in a minute. So in verse 8, 
Paul goes on, he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What an amazing revelation. God, God's saying that his power is actually perfected in weakness. If we could get a hold of that, uh, that would change the way we think about weakness, wouldn't it? Anyway, Paul then goes on, he says, Therefore I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So Paul says there, his weaknesses, he's not talking about some kind of disease or physical weakness. He defines his weakness there in verse 10. He says, I delight in my weaknesses, and then he defines what the weaknesses are. In insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Those are the weaknesses Paul was talking about, not some kind of physical ailment. Now, if hopefully from just showing you that, you might see... Uh, that Paul's not talking about a, a disease or sickness that God put on him and wouldn't take away. But if you're not convinced by that, I want to just basically kind of explain briefly that uh, it's important to read scriptures in context. And the context of 2 Corinthians, if you don't know, is Paul is combating these false apostles. Uh, he calls them super apostles. These people who are going to the church of Corinth and basically discrediting Paul and trying to get the church to dissociate with Paul. And they're writing Paul off and uh, basically saying he's not a good preacher. He's got weaknesses. He's not a good uh, public speaker. Uh, all this stuff. You know, his writings are weighty, but when he comes in person, he's not impressive at all. You know, his speech isn't eloquent. So these people were discrediting Paul's ministry, and it was a serious, serious thing. Uh, I, I would recommend you read 2 Corinthians chapter 10 all the way to the end, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. His whole thing, he's, he comes out fighting. There's not very many letters where Paul is really like this, other than Galatians, where Paul is just letting these false apostles have it because of all the division that they're creating uh, and trying to get these churches, particularly in Cor Corinth, uh, to turn their backs on Paul. And Paul's saying, these guys are false apostles, okay? Now, look at 2 Corinthians 11, verses 12 through 15. This is the chapter right before what I just read about the thorn in the flesh. Okay, so starting in verse 12, he says, And I'll keep on doing what I'm doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. Here we go. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. Now this, listen to this sentence. This becomes important. Verse 14. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising, then, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Now, the reason that's important is because remember that Paul said his thorn in the, in the flesh was a messenger of Satan. Okay? It's, the word messenger is actually the word angelos, which could also be interpreted as angel. 
In fact, you if you read the Greek in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, where he says, I was given the thorn of my flesh, a messenger of Satan, it's the word angelos, which could be interpreted angel of Satan, but it's interpreted messenger. But what I want to point out is in chapter 11, verse 14, he says Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Same word could have been easily translated as messenger of light. So in other words, in the chapter right before, Paul's saying what these messengers of Satan, who they are. It's the false apostles that are um, basically turning this church against them. That they're accusing Paul of, you know, not being an, a true apostle. And they're boasting and saying they're these amazing apostles, right? These are the messengers of Satan. That's what Paul's saying right here, right? It's not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Remember, the thorn in the flesh were, were messengers of Satan. So what I believe Paul is saying is that the thorn in the flesh is actually these false apostles that are opposing him. And Paul is pleading with the Lord to take them away because they're causing so many problems. You know, they're saying that he's weak, that he's all of these things, right? They're persecuting him. They're insulting him. And God says, no, because in your weakness, my power is made strong. If you remember in 1 Corinthians 2, Paul's confronting the Corinthians on their ideas of wisdom, you know, and what Paul says, and if you read in verse five, 1 through 5, he said, I came to you not with wise and persuasive words of human wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that people's faith would not rest on men's wisdom, but on the power of God. See, Paul's saying that again, that even though he, he was asking God to take these, this thorn in his flesh, these messengers of Satan, these false apostles, out of the way, God said no, because when you're weak, I'm strong. My power is perfected in weakness. Now, think about the rest of that in light of this. Okay, the, so Paul says, be, right, because of these surpassing revelations that he had, in order to keep him from being conceited, he was given a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to oppose me, to insult me, to persecute me, right? So then Paul says, three times I plead with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Then Paul says, therefore I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. He's not talking about sickness now. Okay, he goes on to define what weakness is. He says, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Verse 10, that's why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses. And like I said earlier, in, and then he defines what the weaknesses are, and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So it's the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, the difficulties that God is allowing, because when, when he allows us to go through these things, uh, we, it prevents us from getting conceited and then falling into this trap of pride, which these super apostles, these false apostles, were doing. They were boasting about their strength, their wisdom, right? And so God allowed these persecutions, these weaknesses, so that his power would be manifest in Paul's life and ministry. Now, there's a lot of glory. Now, in suffering, <laughs> it sounds weird, but it's true. Um, there's a reason for this, and, and I just mentioned one of the reasons. But let me say, actually, before I go into that, let me read this verse. If you don't believe me that there's a lot of glory in this, uh, Matthew 5, 
verse 10 to 12. This is Jesus talking. This is a Sermon on the Mount. He says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Remember, persecution is one of the things that Paul listed as a weakness, that insults, hardships, persecutions. Blessed are you when people insult you. That was another thing Paul listed, right? Uh, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And that's exactly what was happening at Corinth, what Paul was confronting and saying these weaknesses, uh, you know, that were opposing him. These people, these that's thrown in the flesh that are opposing him. And then Jesus goes on to say, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We're supposed to rejoice when we're persecuted, when we go through difficulties, when we're insulted for our faith, because Jesus says you're going to be eternally rewarded for this. And that's how we can reconceptualize it, uh, hardships, difficulties, persecution, sufferings. If we think of it in terms of an, from an eternal perspective, great is your reward in heaven. And Jesus said you're actually blessed when this happens to you. And Paul was rejoicing. That's what he said. I'm rejoicing in these weaknesses because when I'm weak, he's strong. His power will rest on me when I, these things happen. So Paul saw it from an eternal perspective. But other than that, which is amazing, right? Uh, we're supposed to count it all joy when we suffer persecution and trials and that sort of thing. It says in James. But look at Philippians chapter 3. Paul had some kind of revelation about the fellowship of suffering and how that actually enhances intimacy with Christ because he went through such tremendous suffering. Okay, and it's an opportunity for us to go deeper in our relationship with him because we have there's a fellowship uh, that only he can relate to. So it helps us to relate to him in a way that other people can't when we're persecuted for our faith and when we uh, have sufferings in our lives. Um, this is from Philippians 3, verse 7 to 11. I'm just going to read it. Paul says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might uh, gain Christ. And then fast forward to verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. This is an experiential knowledge, not a head knowledge. This is a knowledge and knowing experientially. I want to know Christ Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation of his sufferings. Other translations say the fellowship of his sufferings. There's both. There's the power, there's the sufferings. Remember, they always go together. It's just like what we read in 2 Corinthians 12. When I'm weak, when I'm suffering, when I go through difficulties, Christ's power is manifest on me. The power of the Holy Spirit. So he's saying the same thing. You need to know both. You know the power of his resurrection and the participation, the fellowship of his sufferings knowing him experientially through this intimacy with God. And so it's, then he goes on, he says, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So in this life, we're going to suffer and we're going to uh, have to endure persecution, but there's so much glory on it because great is your reward in heaven. But not only that, we get to go in deeper intimacy and relationship with and fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ when we go through these hardships because he did. And there's such a sweet intimacy and presence that comes along with suffering, that comes along with persecutions, that comes along with insults and difficulties uh, that only you can only experience having gone through it. And so I just wanted to encourage you today that, yeah, okay, sufferings will come. 
But first of all, the thorn in the flesh, this isn't, this isn't uh, uh, sickness. Okay, so don't, I, I, don't, I don't think it's right to use this verse to say God allows us to go through sickness specifically and disease to teach us a lesson and to keep us humble. I don't think that's God's heart. You know, God does allow hardships and persecutions, and it, clearly Paul went through painful experiences physically when he was beaten and that sort of thing. So if, if you put this in that genre of, yeah, we might get injured uh, physically, emotionally from the persecutions, then yeah, that's true. We will go through those types of sufferings, and there's an awesome reward and fellowship that, with Christ that comes through it. But to say God puts a disease on somebody, a thorn in the flesh, interpreting it as that, uh, I don't think is right. It, it, Paul's clearly talking about these false apostles, in my opinion, clearly, who are opposing him. Because that's what the whole, essentially, book is about, is confronting these false apostles. But anyway, even so, I also want to draw attention to the fact that there's a lot of glory in suffering. Um, it's not something that... If we can have an eternal perspective and look at our trials from that perspective, we'll see, first of all, that God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses when these things happen. But secondly, that we're going to be rewarded eternally for them. And thirdly, that we're going to experience a fellowship with Jesus Christ that we wouldn't otherwise experience in this life. So on that note, I want to just pray that we would come to terms with this idea that, yeah, in this life, while we're living in this age, we're going to suffer persecution. At the same time, we're going to no less experience the power of his resurrection, both. It's the radical middle. And that through both, we're going to know Christ more intimately. So I just thank you, Father, for that. And I ask that we'll all grow deeper in intimacy in our relationship with you, in the fellowship of suffering, that we'd be counted worthy to suffer for your name, as it's as they say, rejoiced in the book of Acts when they were persecuted. But also that we know the power of your Holy Spirit, the power of your resurrection in this life. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. All right, God bless you guys. I uh, hope you have an amazing week. In Jesus' name.